The results are in, in the primaries for St. Louis's next mayor. Alderman Leiter Cruzen has won the Democratic primary. And utility executive Andrew Jones has won the Republican primary. And also in the final race, April 4th, there'll be candidates from the Green Party, the Libertarians, and the Independents. But in this heavily Democratic city, Cruzen is likely to win. Wait, don't go. Really, don't go. You shouldn't. You didn't accidentally click on the Politically Speaking podcast. Stay with us. We're talking politics here because arts actually came up in the recent primary. Candidates, among them city aldermen and local power brokers, actually talked about arts as a campaign issue. Our lives are all richer because of the arts. I recognize the transformative power of the arts. Arts can really show people a larger world. We're a city with rich culture and a rich diversity and a rich art art community, but we have to embrace that. We have to package it. We do need a citywide plan with community input to make sure that we are developing areas that have been neglected for years, uh, as well as include the arts in that. The arts and culture create an economic engine that is underutilized in St. Louis. Let's start helping our artists in our community. Let's rebuild St. Louis at this time. That was Democratic mayoral primary candidates. Get ready, this is a long list. Cruson, Alderman Antonio French, Aldermanic Board President Louis Reed, St. Louis Treasurer Tashara Jones, a representative for Alderman Jeffrey Boyd, and independent candidate New Life Evangelistic Centers, the Reverend Larry Rice. Whew, you should take a drink of water after <laughs> I that. I will. So it seems artists have the buy-in from local leaders. But how can the arts community hold the candidates accountable as they move beyond the campaign in their political careers? And what do artists as constituents really want from their representatives? I'm Willis Ryder-Arnold. And I'm Nancy Fowler. And this is Cut and Paste, St. Louis Public Radio's arts and culture podcast. You know, we talk a lot about the intersection of politics and art on this podcast, but usually it's about the political statements artists are making about racism, sexism, or other social justice issues. And we often end up talking about large concept activism as expressed through paintings or sculptures or dance or music. But it turns out artists also have very practical concerns. Yeah, they're trying to make a living after all, just like the rest of us. We often don't talk about artists as business owners and political constituents. But spoken word artist Patia Anderson captures perfectly why local leaders should pay attention to these voters. We record time. We keep the flame, make use of that which has been deemed useless, mine treasure from prairie grasses, been light in atoms of umber and ochre. We make miracles from mayhem. An alchemical ritual where our value is central to the creativity we carry here deep in these bones that wakes us at night, eases our fights and moans, an insatiable beast that finds its release in the sculpting of dance through urban sprawl, bandstands and mural walls, textiles and little kids' smiles. We conjure history by virtue of our being present. So it is your responsibility to willingly see from the root of our practice and our ability, not just the novelty in our oddities, but the honesty in our artistry, to acknowledge we aren't just anomalies, that we do have a place in your policy because we do more than just beautify the sides of your buildings. 
design flyers and bend wires. We also parent and teach children. The fact is, we don't just backspin. We uprock, we punch clocks, and pay taxes. So unbroken, be our circle. Placemakers, administrators, manual laborers, we are hard workers, no complex saviors. It is in our nature to naturally nurture and to further the merger of critical thought and self-expression, to both be the observers and do the work of dismantling systemic oppression using art as our weapon and our method for peace, to shapeshift the language, be the change that we seek. Ye yielders, ye wielders of imagination, ye painters of purpose, be builders of our reclamation, standing together in civic service, field hollerers and learned scholars, ink-stained fingers, we are the blue collars, we are the models, the molded cold clay, we be the sun that lights the city's way. Like that red brick dust, we are color made real. So it is up to us to make real what the people feel beyond the banners, beneath the canvas. They may scream, but we be the canyon. They may scream, but we be the canyon. They may scream, but we be the canyon. We be the canyon. Anderson read this poem before a candidate forum held by Citizen Artist St. Louis. It's an organized group that she's part of. She says the group held the gathering to find out if candidates valued the arts and the contributions of artists, and to show them that artists' concerns aren't that different from those of other constituents. I realized that a lot of the ways that I've tried to be civically engaged, there seemed to be something that felt a little empty. Um, and I think it's because there is that piece of arts and culture that isn't part of the general conversation, the broader com conversation. Sometimes, you know, when you're talking about education, they'll talk about um, the arts. But when we're talking about transportation or gentrification or vacant houses, all of that is wrapped up in the work that I do in some kind of way. But it seems to be missing from the conversation. So this, I think, is a great opportunity to make sure that it is part of the conversation. But artist M.K. Stallings says that local artists have only just begun to make politicians see them as a voting block. For me, I know a lot of artists in St. Louis. And if, and if that particular community is being spoken to as adults, as meaningful contributors to St. Louis, I think that what that does is it kind of gives us some leverage. I mean, we become a constituency because we are, you know. It's just that we haven't always self-identified or organized around that particular principle. But I think that as a constituency, we have the opportunity to, you know, weigh in on some of their policy making, some of the decision making, some of the, their thoughts about these things. So at that forum, which I went to, the audience also challenged the candidates to think about arts in the form of policies, from how to ensure equitable access to arts education, to funding for the arts, and how to value artists as economic drivers, in the same way that Stalin says major developments get prioritized. I think the city of St. Louis does a great job of getting behind its sports franchises and things of that nature, but I don't really see the city of St. Louis doing much to support the arts. I mean, if you look at what's happening in St. Louis public schools, if you look at what's happening in terms of different programs, Programs that are just created and and propped up by the city government. I don't really see much in terms of investment with our arts programs. In fact, what I see more so of is people who are good with development projects throughout the city, but not necessarily good with ensuring that those artists are also sustainable, as sustainable as those developments. And I think that's a role that the city government can play. And Dee Nichols, who's a local artist as well as an arts leader, said that she wants to make sure the city knows that artists need more support, but she also wants to make sure the city knows that artists actually provide 
provide support. The arts generate so much economic opportunity within the city. And uh, the Regional Arts Commission, they have like the, the artist count report, and they have all of these numbers about just how uh, creative industries have been making St. Louis like a destination spot. And so to have uh, city leadership join in with us to, to really prioritize some of these goals and visions that many artists are setting forth in the city, I think that is very beneficial and strategic. But because there's this bigger picture here that artists paved the way for revitalization in different neighborhoods, Stallings says they need more funding. I'll tell a quick story. I've seen at least two arts groups, arts entities in Old North St. Louis that had I guess some benefit for the area, but in particular, they were housed in these storefronts. And uh, the moment that the developer needed to move on from them and not necessarily paying any kind of rent or whatever the case may be, they couldn't sustain themselves, right? So then the question is, all right, so if there are TIFs for developers, if there are some economic opportunities that might be for people who want to do things for the city, why not imagine a pot of, of money or a pool of money or a, a, a big ocean of money that could be for arts and culture development? Uh, it seems to me that where we, might, where we might greatly benefit from having artists more engaged and even in our development as, 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 in terms of being at the table, that would actually help you know, these areas like Old North St. Louis continue to bounce back. I mean, we certainly saw that with Cherokee. I mean, we certainly see that throughout the city of St. Louis. So there are areas that are depressed. And I think that if you invest in artists and you invest in arts organizations, they can be the frontliners, the pioneers to bring those neighborhoods back. But once they come back, what are you going to do to make sure that they're still I don't know, foundational stones to ensure that those neighborhoods still have their life breath in them, right? And I think, unfortunately, that's where the city has fallen down a few times. Other artists at the forum, including Anderson, were concerned about artists being paid a living wage and just being able to pay their bills. And that's been a big issue here in St. Louis. You may remember the courts just recently upheld a city ordinance that pushes the minimum wage to $11 an hour in 2018. So often we have ground-level, grassroots, on-the-ground, people in the streets barely being able to feed themselves but feeling um, a need and a desire to help, and that's not sustainable. You know, it has to be ground-level but top-down also. Another concern is that artists are often a catalyst for reviving a certain area, but then they get priced out of the very areas that they've helped re-energize. Anderson talks about gentrification. Those neighborhoods are created from the culture that was already there. Um, Around Cherokee Street, we call it grit, right? The grit is what makes people want to go there and make it into something else. But what, what, what happens to the people who are already there? My hope is that whoever becomes the next mayor will recognize that St. Louis didn't become a city just because people decided to move there. It was a collective action that also involved supporting financially the people who are on the ground doing work, whether that is in the arts, but specifically um, with the arts to, you know, make something positive happen. And whoever the next mayor is, Dee Nichols says, they'd better be prepared to do more than just talk. It's also a question of, well, how do we hold them accountable once they have expressed these 
these commitments? What does it look like to really put in the work to show that you prioritize the arts? What does it look like to develop a, you know, a department of arts and culture within your mayoral uh, tenure and your administration? I, I think there are tangible things that can be done, and these conversations are in, in my opinion, just that first step of building uh, that bridge between the arts and the, the political uh, nature of things. Those were some of St. Louis's leading artistic voices. They were talking about the very practical concerns and expectations that they have for the next St. Louis mayor. And we'll know for sure who that is after April 4th. This is Cut and Paste. Big props to our producer, Stephanie Lecce, for particularly this episode. She really came in and did a lot of work. It was fantastic. And in addition, this is produced by Willis Ryder Arnold. And Nancy Fowler. With help from our editor, David Casares. The music was provided by local producer, Trifecta. You can find Cut and Paste at stlpublicradio.org or wherever you get your podcasts. St. Louis Public Radio's podcast series, Cut and Paste, is made possible by space, architects, designers, and builders, creating St. Louis's favorite spaces.